This sermon was recorded at Highway Palo Alto in Palo Alto, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org. All right, so we are, let me get this real quick. We're talking about awkwardness in a way, so I guess this is kind of awkward and fitting. Um, When I first moved here two years ago to be at Highway, uh, as as Dean was mentioning, mentioning earlier, if you asked me a year before that if I would be in youth ministry, my mom and dad are here. They could say, I would say, no way. <laughs> um, but it's been great. And it's been a process of coming here. In fact, when I first moved here, it was, uh, it was difficult. Uh, I, 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 moved, I moved in and um, I really wasn't expecting the challenges that I eventually faced, uh, the, the, the dealing with comfort and discomfort um, but it was something I needed to experience. And shortly after I began this internship at Highway, it was this 10-week internship that I was, I was ready. I was kind of posturing myself that, okay, if I need to, if they're not going to ask me on staff, then I guess I'll go. Um, I really wanted it to be a permanent thing, especially after meeting the community, meeting those who were on staff. Um, so after the internship began, I did short, shortly after that come on staff. Um, I started coaching at the King's Academy. I coached soccer uh, and as I was getting to these, this new life that I was really excited about, these new rhythms, I quickly realized that I didn't feel at home. And some of you might have a similar experience in moving here from other areas. Or maybe you grew up here and you don't feel at home. Or maybe there's certain places you have been where you don't feel at home. And sometimes these things are positive, sometimes they're negative feelings. Uh, for me... Living in Los Altos, working in downtown, our offices are in downtown Mountain View, uh, worshiping and leading at, in Palo Alto, uh, I, I kind of began to get a negative and skewed image and assumption of those people, these new people around me. I, I assumed that everyone had a MacBook, everyone ate organic food, everyone had designer clothes and shoes. Um, the only physical activity people did was go on nature hikes at the preserves, um, now, I come, as Dean said, Tracy, can anything good come out of Tracy? Well, I think there can be, right? I mean, we eat McDonald's there. We wear you know, our clothes from Walmart. We, get, uh, we like PC instead of Mac. Um, and we do things ourselves. <laughs> now, when I would call home and talk to friends, it was, you know, share my frustrations. Like, There's no one here that I can talk to. There's no one here that knows, like, what it's like to... To, to work hard, to like have this blue-collar job and like work with your hands. Everyone just, they, they just type on computers all day. They talk about like software engineering and you know, I, no clue what, what was being said when I'd ask people, so what's, what do you do for work? How is that? Over my head. Um, I felt really different. And in fact, in an interesting way, I actually began to look down on people. And I would, I would just pass people by on the street or in the mall or at the coffee shop or even at church. And I would think to myself that my skills, my experiences were better than theirs. And one day I was really shaken. And in fact, I think I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. As I was walking through the Valley Fair, Fair Mall, I, I felt just this real disdain towards almost every person that I passed. I was like, you don't know what it's like to struggle with money like I do. You don't know what it's like to work hard like I do. You don't know 
what real life problems are like I do. And in the middle of these like blatant and unjustified judgments, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure is that it was him, is like, how can I be so proud? How can I be so discriminatory? How can I be so judgmental? The truth is, it was because I was proud. It's because I was seeking comfort within this new, different environment. And this comfort in those things that I was proud of. And I share this story with you to hopefully open us up to a shared experience. Open us up to some vulnerability. Um, I was thinking about this story as in the past week and a half, I've really been reflecting a lot and listening and participating in conversations about racial justice. Now, now over the past week and a half, um, I realized that I don't have the answers that I wish I had. I realized I don't know what I'm supposed to do yet. One thing that I know is that I want to move further past mere acknowledgement of the facts. I know that right now I'm in pain with those people and their families who have been killed, the folks in Louisiana, Minnesota, and Dallas. And I'm in pain because there's people who are hurting more than me, and I don't know what to do about it. But again, I want to move past this point of just mere acknowledgement and comfort and saying, yeah, that does hurt. But I want to move past that. And at the end today, we're going to leave some space for, um, for a time for us to kind of reflect together and share thoughts of how this series that we've been in going through in Galatians, Set Free to Live Free, how that has challenged us. And in particular, um, as, as we read the end of, of Paul's letter to the Galatians, I want us to think about this question. How are you challenged to let go of your old ways of pride and comfort and to live awkwardly into the new creation and freedom in Christ. I hope my story can be a prompt and help us reflect on how, on how pride and comfort keeps us from experiencing Christ's freedom and his new creation. Um, now just a reminder that, that Paul is writing to this Galatian church, and the reason why he's writing is because there's been essentially a racial divide in the church between Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians. And the identity marker that, that they had in this was that the Jewish Christians primarily were circumcised and they followed the law of the Old Testament. And Paul is arguing all through this book that you guys are dividing yourself on something that doesn't matter. You, the only thing that matters is Christ. And that's what we see here at the end. So let's turn, if you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 is where we'll start. And you can get that on your phones or turn with me or see up here on the screen. It's in the, towards the end of your Bible, if you have it with you. Galatians six eleven to the end, it reads like this. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ 
through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So you can see as Paul closes his letter, he really wants his purpose and his challenge to stick. He takes the pen from his scribe's hand. He says, look, I'm writing in all bold, all caps. Listen, remember this, that those who are segregating you and wanting you to conform to their expression of religion or their even racial identity, they're doing so out of comfort and pride. Don't miss out on Christ and the new creation. He says, don't miss out on Christ and the new creation. The thing is, is that people don't want to be persecuted. And that's what we're seeing here. These folks, out of their comfort, not wanting to relinquish their comfort, their old ways, they want others, they're keeping others out from, from receiving community in Christ. So my first question is that I'm immediately asking is what comfort is keeping me into is keeping me from entering into the way of Christ? What comfort is keeping me from entering into the way of the cross? When I moved here, I didn't want to relinquish my comfort and what I knew was what I was familiar with. Instead of I held on to my experiences of what I thought were valid norms. And it kept me from living into community with one another, with others, and enslaved me. As I stayed in my comfort, it kept something new from growing. And what comfort are you holding on to? Are you holding on to, to certain comforts that are keeping something new from forming in our church merger? Are you holding on to certain comforts that are keeping you from engaging in the racial justice conversations? that are happening in our, in, our, in our country and in our community, in our family and amongst our friends. This passage, we're not only challenged by comfort, but also by pride. In Galatians 6.13, it says, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Remember, the circumcision piece it's what Paul has been talking about all the way through the book of Galatians because there was this group of Christians who said, in order to be a real Christian, you need to be circumcised. In order to be a real Christian, you have to be Jewish. Now, I drive a truck. And that's no big deal, right? Amy's laughing. I think it's a big deal. I live in Silicon Valley. There are like no trucks around here. <laughs> As I substitute taught uh, when I first got here at, at Gunn High School, I was talking with some of the students about driving. They're like, do you own a car? He's like, yeah, I have a truck. A truck? Like it has like a bed in the back and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> but when I see someone else who has a truck, I'm like, yes, they're on my side. 
Now, it, feel, it feels great, right? This pride, it feels great to know that there's others like us, that there's others who share similar experiences, feelings, desires, interests. You know, these elements of pride, when brought into community, if a, if a community is, is defined through pride or through comfort, it's going to have less growth in that community that is all-inclusive. Because pride and comfort are damaging and exclusive. Our pride and our comfort damage our community. They're absolute rubbish when it comes to following Christ and building community. And here's why. In Galatians 6.14, Paul writes, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The only thing, the only thing that we should ever post in or have pride and comfort in is Christ and his cross. All other things are false constructs of importance. They enslave us, they divide us. Only Christ and his cross fully free us, fully set us free to live free and bring about a truly undivided healthy community. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a German theologian uh, during, actually during the World War II era. Um, this is what he writes. Not what a man is in himself as a Christian, his spirituality and piety constitutes the basis of our community. It doesn't matter what kind of Christian you are, doesn't matter how spiritual you are, doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are that makes community. Our community within another, with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is not merely true at the beginning as though in the course of time something else were to be added to our community. It remains so for all the future and to all eternity. We don't start with the, Christ, with, with the cross and, and, and then eventually add these other standards to the community, like adding the need for circumcision, the need to be Jewish, or adding the need to drink Red Rock coffee, or adding the need to own a MacBook, or adding a need to have a wiener dog, or adding the need to, to follow this movement or that movement, or this political party or that political party. It has always been the cross that brings us together in the community and it will always and only be the cross. This is what Paul is writing in all caps. And you know, we're really far removed from the time of the, uh, uh, where crucifixion was part of the culture. And a historian, ancient historian Cicero, he, he, he provides this awareness that even just talking about crucifixion was a cultural taboo. Instead of saying someone was going to be crucified, you would say someone is going to be hung on the unlucky tree. See, the cross was so scandalous in the time, so uncomfortable, so unconventional that it was a taboo to even talk about. But see, the cross it tears away our pride, it tears away our comfort, but it manages to unite us together through the love of Christ. And because of that, 
The cross is the only thing we have left to boast and the only thing that we need for our community now and always. One of my, one of my life verses is Philippians 3, 8. At the beginning of the chapter, Paul is boasting about all these things that he's the best at. He's the best at his occupation. He's the best at persecuting Christians. He's the best, uh, he's, he's, the, he's the most zealous. He's the most successful. He's the most spiritual. He's the best at following the law. But then he concludes with this. I count all things to be lost in view of surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. For Paul, there is a power that is more important, more pervasive, more influential than all other powers in this world. If, if wealth, comfort, or piety, or physique, or intellect are some of the greatest powers, some of the things we have the greatest prides and comforts in in our world, if those were playing the game for our souls, the cross isn't even on the same playing field. We get this idea that we have to build up ourselves and build up our community in these little isolated towers of, I'm good at this, or we're, we're known for this. And these little towers that we isolate ourselves and we stand proud in and we maintain, they separate us from true community and they enslave us. But what the cross does, the cross is a leveler. The cross knocks us out of these towers that we build and the cross puts us all in the same playing field, a different playing field. And it's when we see ourselves and others through Christ, our mediator, can we truly live in community? Can we truly progress forward? Another quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Christian is a man who no longer seeks his salvation, his deliverance, his justification in himself, but in Jesus Christ alone. A Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. Among men, there is strife. He is our peace, says Paul of Jesus Christ. Without Christ, there is discord between God and man and between man and man. You know, this has been deeply important in my reflections over the past week and a half. As I listen, as I talk, as I think about just even just the racial justice conversations my starting point has to be with us all leveled at the foot of the cross. Myself and the trends and the, the, the movements that I, I feel comfortable with and those others that I don't feel comfortable with, we all start at the foot of the cross. And it's only when we start seeing one another with Christ in between us as a lens with the cross in between us that we can truly listen that we can truly be heard, that we can truly say something. It's only then can we step forward in love without fear of discomfort or condemnation by the world's standards. Because Jesus and his cross, they take us to a different place. Galatians 6, 15 through 16 reads, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. 
either being this sort of Christian or that sort of Christian, being Jewish or not Jewish, means anything. What counts is the new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. Now, Paul, at the beginning of his letter, he talks about how Jesus gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us out of this present evil age. And this present evil age is what we've been talking about through this whole Galatians series are these things that enslave us. It could be our identity. It could be our, our worth, our value. It could be these identification markers, our methods of justification, our, me- our, 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 our success models, these things that look to us like the accruement of wealth or education, or type of job, or schools that your kids get into, or grades that your kids get, or extracurriculars that your kids do. Could look like your home, your hobbies. It could look like your race. It could look like your culture. These are things in my story that I judged others by. By my my work experience in construction, I judged others by my struggle with money, my nonconformist nature, the vehicle I drove, I said these things were all better and worth more than you. In the early 1900s, a, a newspaper asked the question of philosophers of the day. They asked, what's wrong with the world today? And G.K. Chesterton, uh, he was a philosopher and theologian, Uh, He responded, and the newspaper expecting an essay in return only received two words from this man. Two words. I am. What's wrong with the world today? I am. I am is, that's the deception of the, the present evil age. That's what we're being rescued out of. That I am able to save myself, that I am establishing justice, that I am right and you are wrong. But Christ in his death rescues us because if we've trusted him, we've participated in his death and so now participate in a new life and new creation. Because instead of saying, I am, we're saying he is. He is what we need. So in this new creation, what does this look like? There's lots of places in the Bible that we can look to see what is new creation, what is God's kingdom. But we can get, I think, a fair picture, a fair image just from our passage here. If we start in verse 16 and kind of work backwards, and we'll put some of the words up here for you. In verse 16, we see that the new creation brings peace and mercy to those who follow the rule. In verse 15, there's no longer circumcision or or uncircumcision. There's no more categories In verse 14, the Christ and the cross are central to our community and our identity. Verse 13, we find humility. Verse 12, we find this discomfort, this willingness to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And what if these ideals, what if these qualities were part of our world today? And when I moved here, I needed these. Because the value I placed in my own personal judgment and pride and comfort, these values, they create distinctions and separations from community. Because I turn to Christ and the cross, as I put up Christ 
this idea that I'm in a new creation between me and other people, we're able to see everyone on the same playing field. We're able to create a safe space to, to start a new community. You know, so I, I ask those questions again. How can we apply this even to our church merger? How can we create one new creation in Christ instead of keeping old categories that have formed from pride and comfort? How can we humbly and uncomfortably bring peace and mercy into our community under the cross? How do we do this in light of the current racial justice conversations? You know, I've been at a loss for words. I've been really comfortable in the past. I haven't stepped out into the discomfort to ask those questions. But you know what? When we're in new creation in Christ and we've been cut off and away from this old world of values and the way we're judged and the way that we care how people perceive us, we can step out into this discomfort. We can step out and ask questions in love, offering grace to one another. We have to be uncomfortable. If we're following God's kingdom and bringing that and stepping into new creation, we are going to find discomfort. We are going to be humbled. I must let go of caring how other people see me. I must look forward to the new creation and realize that's where I live now, fully in Christ, sealed with him. We can't afford a life of comfort apart from bringing God's kingdom because if we do, we won't grow. We won't participate in the gift that we've been given. I love this song from Hillsong United. It's called Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. We're gonna be singing this in a little bit, but I love the image it, it, it gives us as it talks about a generation rising up in a revival in a posture of humbling themselves before God and proclaiming, break my heart for what breaks yours, God. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. The cross gives us a new and free way in life in Christ and together as we participate humbly in discomfort. You know, this discomfort, we don't wanna just jump into it, but it will be okay because we are sealed in Christ and one day, the thing that we are creating, this new creation we're creating, it's going to be far superior than what we see now. From the love of my own comfort, from the fear of having nothing, from a Yeah.